This is Jeremy Bassetti, and you're listening to Travel Writing World, a podcast featuring interviews with travel writers about their work and about the business and craft of travel writing. You can find the episode show notes, free travel writing resources, and much more at travelwritingworld.com. At the age of 67 and with her injured husband at home, Patty Shales Lefkos sets off to Nepal on what would be her first solo trip. Patty volunteers at a high-altitude school before taking off on a month-long trek in the Himalayas. Patty joins me on the podcast today to talk about high-altitude trekking, volunteering, and also about the complications of self-publishing and marketing a book during the pandemic. So now, here is Patty Shales Lefkos. Welcome to the show, Patty. Thank you. Great to be here. Thanks for the chat. So you are a Canadian writer and journalist, and you're also an avid trekker um, who has recently published your new book, Nepal, One Day at a Time. And I'm glad you got in touch uh, to talk about this book because um, it does seem like an interesting experience, a solo trek to Nepal for humanitarian purposes and for other reasons as well. And um, secondly, because you self-published the book and we don't talk about self-publishing enough on this show, um, and in general, I think there's a little bit of a stigma attached to that. So I wanted to touch upon that uh, on the subject some more, and maybe your story can help inspire some other independent authors uh, break through the stigma or you know, just kind of get, get their foot out there and start publishing some of their work. So uh, thank you uh, for coming on the show. Oh, you're welcome. And I hope it can inspire others in many ways, my story. <laughs> Good. So to start off, let's uh, just you know frame this uh, uh, conversation by talking about your new book, Nepal, One Day at a Time. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Mm-hmm. Well, um, when I'm advertising it, I, I say it's a Himalayan adventure travel memoir with a humanitarian twist. And that's what it is. It's the story of uh, one woman's quest to teach track and build a school in the remote Himalaya. And it's also part of um, overcoming my fears and learning to step out of my comfort zone. I'd been to Nepal for three months with my husband before, but due to an injury, he was not able to go back when we wanted to go back to volunteer at our guide's village. And so I had to decide whether I was going to go by myself or not at the age of 67. And it was pretty scary. And I had to overcome a lot of fears, but I did. And I learned a lot about myself and I'm much better for it. Yeah, that's so cool. And so when you say remote Himalaya, can you give us a sense of how remote and where and altitude and all of that fun stuff? Uh, sure. This um, The first part of the book is about volunteering in the guide's village. And that's not at it. It's about the same altitude as where I live at Silver Star, around 5,000 500 feet. It's uh, seven hours northwest of Kathmandu, uh, seven to nine hours, depending on the roads and the number of potholes and the amount of rain. The back roads are really desperate. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Ramate village where I volunteered as a teacher um, is a tiny village, and they also took me to another village three or four hours further 
which was the end of the road. And that's where I received a request from the villagers to help them build school. Um, the second part of the book is about a trek in the Forbidden Kingdom of Upper Mustan. And our destination was the medieval walled city of Lomantang. They were having a, a Buddhist uh, dance festival called Tiji. And I wanted to be there before the festival to see what town was like, this village of a thousand people, what it was like before the festival, what it was like during the festival when several thousand people came, and then what it was like after when everyone left, when we could go and talk more to locals. My um, first reason to go there was to kind of document the tourism changes. I wanted to ask locals how they were feeling about all these people coming because it's only been open since 1992. Mm. And uh, the year we were there, the road was completed and ele electricity was on the way. So there were a lot of changes happening. And um, so this this remote village, um, I guess, what was the altitude of this? Oh, and yes, in Upper Mustang, mm -hmm. uh, we were there for about a month in that area. And that's over 12,000 feet and the high passes are 14 to 15. And we'd walk four to six hours a day. Wow. But so this isn't your, your first rodeo, so to speak. I mean, you, you've trekked Kailash <laughs> and the Dromla Pass is, I don't know, what, 18,000 feet? 18,000, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you, you, you yes, have a history had, of trekking. None of that until we retired. I was a teacher and a consultant and administrator for my entire career for 37 years. And then I went to journalism school and then I ended up uh, starting to do these longer treks. I had not backpacked for more than three days at that point oh, and wow. didn't have a passport for going out of North America until I retired. So. <laughs> And so your first uh, visit to Nepal, you said you were with your husband and you traveled for three months and mm -hmm. that's where you encountered this village and you you met the, the people living in this village and you kind of fell in love with them and wanted to help them kind of rebuild uh, a school or build a school in that community. And this kind of inspired you to, to return. Um, yeah, Is actually, right? I didn't I didn't go to the second village. Um, I didn't volunteer at all until the second trip. Our first trip, the trip with my husband, mm -hmm. was all trekking. We did the Annapurna Circuit, Annapurna Base Camp, Everest Base Camp, and end up or must end for a short time. And then, actually, we had to be airlift evacuated because my husband had an angina attack, and we had to be airlifted to Kathmandu, where he had a stent put in one of his arteries, which was a huge surprise. He's very fit. So it was three years later... We were, had planned to go back, and we were both going to volunteer and do some more trekking. But what happened was he ruptured his Achilles tendon, and I thought, I'm, if I'm this old, I might never go again. I better go by myself. Mm -hmm. And that's when I volunteered and then went to the second village where they asked for my help. I see. And so the, the, the story about the Achilles tendon, that kind of frames the beginning the frames your book. I mean, this is how your, your, your book starts off. Um, kind of you departing, leaving your husband at home, going on this kind of solo mission mm -hmm. as it were yeah. to, to Nepal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about, um, I guess, intentionality and, and, and travel. Like, so obviously a, t a trip like this takes some planning, uh, but so too does writing and, and, and publishing a book. So I'm just trying to like get into your head here a little bit. So did you, uh, um, when you went back for the 
solo trip. Did you intend to write and publish a, a travel log before going on the trip, or did the idea come to you after? It really came to me after. I certainly intended to um, write travel articles. I really had, um, you know, I was ready to uh, interview people everywhere I went about the changes in Upper Mustan. But after I went to that small village and they asked for my help, all the time that I was in Upper Mustang for a month meeting people, my focus kind of shifted and I started speaking with teachers and monks that ran monastery schools and others that were interested in education and realized that maybe my focus was education and doing something to help the people there and that maybe I could pull it off. So the book kind of I started writing, when I came home, I started writing stories about that and articles, and then it kind of all formed into a book. I see. But you, you went there with the idea of actually writing articles, like to, to, oh, to write. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So it wasn't like <laughs> you went there with, you know, a notebook and, you know, ready to, to kind of talk to people and, you know, find out yes. what these stories yeah. were. Yeah, mm-hmm. Exactly. It's just that my focus shifted. I still wrote things about Upper Mustang, about the changes that tourism had brought, and uh, but it became more about the school and the needs of those children. And what really kicked that off was, uh, you know, I came home that summer and thought, oh, you know, maybe I'll do something, maybe it won't. What can I do? I'm one person. But uh, I ended up, my husband and I finally formed a nonprofit also called Nepal One Day at a Time. And then I joined a Rotary Club in Vernon, British Columbia, close to Silver Star, where I live. It's a very vibrant, large club, does a lot of fundraising. And I took the idea of a school project to them, and they really ran with it. So two years, oh, sorry. And then the other main thing that happened was the April, the year after I was there to the day was the April 25th earthquake. And in uh, 2015 and the villages where I'd been were at the epicenter of the earthquake and all the houses and the schools were ruined and so we really ramped it up my husband put together he's an amazing photographer he put together a huge trekking slideshow and we started showing that and raising money so that along with rotary put us put the project together and two years later or three from the time I went the first time we were able to go back and see the first four classrooms the first story of the school built oh that's great so what what about your um your decision to to publish this book independently uh did you decide to do that from the get-go or um did that come to you as you were writing it how how, how did that factor into this Well, I did send out um, queries to publishers. I had to learn. I'd never done anything like this Mm. before. So I had to learn how to write book proposals. And I did that and sent them out. And I got, you know, the usual from no response to very, very complimentary, but no, can't do it response. One in particular, one company that was lovely, they could only publish four books that, that year. And mine was number five, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and very encouraging. So, but I went to um, 
an editor that I'd worked with a lot in a regional magazine here, and I really trust her. And she's um, self-published four or five books. And so I asked her and she said, well, give yourself a deadline. So I gave myself a year's deadline because, as I said, I'm not getting any younger. So and at the end of that year, I decided to go ahead and self-publish. And in the meantime, I got some really good advice. One uh, writing conference I went to really there was a book distributor there that just said, stay away from vanity presses, Mm -hmm. all the package deals they put together of all these things you don't need at all. So um, he said, you know, you need a good cover design and you need a good editor. And we have a, the BC Federation of Writers, British Columbia Federation of Writers. And I'd met a woman from that group at one of the conference, uh, writing conferences. So I asked her to just have a look at the manuscript. And I thought, you know, if it's a piece of garbage, I'll throw it out and give up. And <laughs> if she thinks it's worthwhile, I'll do something with it. She came back and said, it's highly publishable, and here's some advice for certain parts. And so I did a lot more edits. And then I hired um, a designer, a book designer, and a final editor. And they were all recommended by the same people. And then I formed my own publishing company and, you know, registered it as a British Columbia business. It's called Loon Island Press. Um, so that you know if i can when i continue i have my own publishing company mm-hmm. so wow i mean you know it really took you a long time to to get this together um and uh, so from in terms of travel it took you're, you're traveling for several months and you're working during that time obviously taking notes writing and then you come back and it takes you another year uh to put the, the book together and then probably some more time after that to edit and to you know learn about the process of self-publishing and, Absolutely, and yeah. getting the cover I can, tell together. You about it. I can tell you about it in three minutes but you know that plus all of the nonprofit fundraising uh-huh. it, yeah it was pretty all-consuming it's I just, a lot of work yeah like the title nepal one day at a time i would just say to myself okay every day i do one thing it's one day at a time i either work on the fundraising i work on the editing i work on the publishing Mm-hmm. And uh, it all happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I learned a heck of a lot. Yeah. I think people might presume that self-publishing or independent publishing is just like, you know, whipping out this manuscript, slapping a cover cover <laughs> on it and, pu- and pushing it out. But there's really a lot of work that goes into it. I mean, when it's done right, there's a lot of work. Well, and that's exactly right. When it's done right, I did not want it to look like a slipshod kind of version Mm -hmm. and it's beautiful my book is beautiful it has the you know the inside flaps with the correct um you know all the correct information the photo the cover photo is mine so that of course was inexpensive but the designer did a fabulous job um but it took a lot of back and forth Mm -hmm. making sure it was just the way we wanted it Sure. So I guess one of the uh, biggest obstacles for independent authors uh, and publishers is to is kind of build an audience and, and a market, you know, and try to get mm-hmm. the traction and the eyes on, on the products or the books. And so like having self-published, you know, a book in the middle of a pandemic, uh, <laughs> what, what was this process like for you building an audience and marketing a book? Well, uh, I did have the advice of of, uh, building a bit of an audience beforehand. So, of course, I have a personal Facebook page and I would put my articles up there all the time. 
and travel photos. And um, I also have um, a Facebook page for the nonprofit for Nepal one day at a time. And lots of friends have helped with that, getting the word out. And then actually I did launch just before the pandemic started. So first I had an informal party up here at the ski resort and we have a wonderful community and you know, lots of people bought the book that first night. Then I had a more formal one in town at an art center and that was on March the 12th. So that was the day before things closed down in BC. So I was lucky to just squeak that in. Mm. And uh, between those two events, my husband did a, another big slideshow. People love coming to Himalayan trekking slideshows. So all of those things, you know, put together um, really helped. But, you know, and I have good contacts because of being in journalism with radio and TV. So, of course, I called in all of those uh, cards. So I got radio coverage, um, you know, online and newspaper coverage, um, magazine coverage. Some of the mags I'd work for uh, did let me do a feature article about the trip. And then, of course, it, that led into the book. And uh, the local shots, we've done a lot of local stuff here. We've got a society called Read Local Okanagan. That's the area, Okanagan area. And um, you know, there's a ski shop at the mountain and shops in town that are selling it. I mean, it's on Amazon, of course, but there's lots of local people that have really been um, supportive. Mm -hmm. And I think it's easier to ask in this case, of course, because all profits from this book go to support education in those two villages. Yeah, that's um, great. So, you know, I, I don't have trouble ask, asking <laughs> people to buy it or sell it that way yeah. and also i'm i'm offering um book club presentations on zoom and for uh women's groups and trekking groups and you know i presented at our rotary district conference um in district 5060 and that was a huge audience it was on zoom but it was a huge audience that's a, those um, district conferences are very very big so mm -hmm. And then our sister mountain, which is really nice, Sun Peaks is not sister, but they're in another mountain in the Okanagan Ski Resort, um, had me do a book club presentation for them too. So that's up and running as well. Oh, that's great. So just kinda, you know, every day, same thing, one day at a time, keep going <laughs> with stuff. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you about your ongoing um, marketing strategy, but it seems like, you know, you're just doing what you can with hmm. with what we have in, in this pandemic, uh, Zoom and kind of reaching out however you can to, 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 help, to help spread the word, I guess. Mm -hmm. I had hoped, of course, to do, um, you know, with hiking clubs and there's, you know, 20 or 30 libraries in our area to do all those live presentations. And, you know, they're just starting now to accept Zoom presentations. So mm -hmm. it, that's been hard. But um, but more and more people, I think, are getting used to Zoom and they're realizing that's going to be the way it is for a while. And so I'm getting more and more invitations to do that kind of uh, presentation. Right. You know, I'm thinking about like, you know, audience building and, and, and marketing and, you know, some subjects just lend themselves better than others. You know, like mm -hmm. if I, I don't know, I'm pulling this out of the thin air, but you know, say a student goes to Europe and backpacks through Europe and wants to you know, write a book about his or her experiences, you mm. know, there might not be that much of a market for that. I mean, there's nothing to hold on to there, you know, but 
for mm-hmm. trekking and hiking and kind of outdoor adventures, you know, there's a lot to hold on to. There's a built-in kind of, you know, audience for those types of uh, books. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, you know, there's, it's, it's popular with book clubs, it's mm-hmm. armchair travel, it's regular people that want to go trekking or they trek 20 years ago and still love Nepal, uh, outdoor clubs that trek here. I just had to really think about all the different angles mm-hmm. and also um, a lot of women who are afraid to travel on their own. And I was oh, one of right. them. Yeah. And uh, so finding those niche groups and finding them on Facebook as well. There's loads of, of groups on Facebook that you can market to. Yeah, that's great. So I presume you're you're thinking about a, another book, um, hopefully done <laughs> during a time of normalcy and, and no pandemic uh, lockdown. So um, what, what what do you have on your plate? Well, I'm about uh, half, uh, well, most of the way through draft one of a book called Grounded by Granite. It's about growing up on a, an island. Again, it was then quite remote on the Canadian Shield. Because a lot of people say, have you always been an outdoor person? And how did, you know, how did you come to do these things? And really, a lot of it has been my upbringing. Um, in the winter, you know, I lived in Toronto and mom and dad would throw us out in the backyard and (laughs) say, play in the snow and be, you know, dad did a skating rink. And in the summer we lived on an Island. And so with no electricity until I was 13 or 14. So, you know, I grew up to be a, an outdoor kid. And so um, that book really is, you know, it's, it's a backup now to, how I got to be the woman who could do those tracks and adventures. So it's a, it's a memoir from that point in time of yeah. your life. Yeah. A childhood memoir grounded by granite, the granite of the Canadian shield. And so will this somehow kind of fold into your humanitarian work and your nonprofit? You know, I'm not sure yet. There, mm-hmm. I do have another, um, I'm thinking about another book actually that is a follow-up to the Nepal one day at a time because it ends with us just beginning to build the school in Aprig village, that small village. And so many things have happened since then. And we've done treks. We, we uh, tracked the Manaslu circuit uh, three years ago at the age of 71 and that's over a high pass of 17,000 feet again. So, and then we've got another one planned. So it's kind of a combination of, you know, a follow-up that I think I'm going to call it Nepal never too late, something like that. <laughs> so that, and that will definitely be in the same vein as a fundraiser. This past October, we had a group of Rotarians, including two 12-year-old girls, all um, set up to go and build houses in Aprig Village, where we built the school. Every home in the village was ruined in the earthquake, and many have not been rebuilt. It's a subsistence farming village, and people just don't have the money to build. And so we've raised enough for two houses um, with the Rotary Club group, and um, we thought maybe we'd go this October. I'm not sure. It might be October 2022. But we do have the money to build two houses. And we're also, we've raised the money to get some bookshelves for the school, some computers, a printer, some kindergarten supplies. They have nothing. When I was a teacher in Toronto, I had fantastic supplies and they have nothing there. So that's our next focus. Mm -hmm. I'll take your husband with you next time, huh? You're you're having all the fun. (laughs) Oh, he's he's been back. We've both been back. Yeah. 
Well, good. Well, thank you so much for uh, coming on to the show. Um, I'm, I'm sure that many people will find your story inspiring in, in so many ways. So thank you so much for your time. And thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. So if somebody wants to help support this endeavor and purchase a copy of the book, where do they go? Where do they find you online? Oh, um, my website is www.pattyshaleslefkos.com. And people can contact me through there. The book's available on Amazon, Imprint, and Kindle. It's on Kobo as well. But if people want more information about uh, the nonprofit and all of that, there's more on the website. You can find the episode show notes and much more at travelwritingworld.com. Please remember to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app. And if you find the show valuable, please consider leaving a review or supporting the show with only a few dollars a month at travelwritingworld.com support. 